0: You're listening to teaching from Central Church in West Columbia, South Carolina. We hope that this message will help you experience Jesus in a new and exciting way. For more information, please visit us at centralnazarene.org. Thank you so much, Pastor. It's uh, always a joy to be with uh, Pastor Brent and especially with his wife, Vicki. We have... uh, Spent some time together, getting to know one another, and what an incredible couple, uh, an incredible pastor that uh, this church has, and uh, what a, what a blessing it is, isn't that? Uh, yeah, show some appreciation to him and to them. Uh, God has used them in special ways, and uh, yes, he is. Uh, he was he was being humble. He is part of the district leadership as well, uh, serving in the district advisory board. Uh, he is, uh, I'm accountable to him, and, uh, and sometimes he's accountable to me. Uh, so, uh, so every other month, we have a district advisory board meeting, and I'm accountable to him for about three or four hours, and then the rest of the time, I, uh, he's accountable to me. So it, it's, it, it works really well. And, uh, and of course, you have Perry here, who's a, uh, who's a great uh, leader in representing uh, not only the church. Uh, well, but also the whole district, the laity of the district as well. And so, uh, God has blessed uh, you in special ways with great people and great leaders, great talent. What a what a great worship experience this morning! I was I was sitting down and listening to the songs in the, in the choice selection, and and even though I, I joked around with uh, with Pastor um, Terry uh, earlier, and uh, you know, I said I only have one verse because I forgot that I was supposed to preach, so I just pick one verse, but. The reality is that just uh, just uh, how God just kind of orchestrates everything and puts everything together, what a blessing it is and, and what a joy it is and this season of of, of Christmas of advent' um, it 's it's such a good thing to know that the people of God can rest in the peace of christ and so uh, and so I, I stand here humbled uh, before you. As Pastor mentioned, two uh, years starting on my third year, uh, it's been a transition for us. Growing up in Texas, uh, born and raised in Texas, I still wear my boots out here almost all the time, uh, except uh, yesterday when I was on top of the roof putting lights. Um, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's it's been it's been a little bit of a challenge, not because of the people. The people are awesome. South Carolinians are so incredible, just great people. Uh, it's just because we have half of our family, the other two daughters that were not present, uh, back in Texas. We have our oldest daughter, Samantha, the mother of Zippy in San Antonio, and then uh, our second daughter, Rebecca, uh, and uh, and with three of our grandkids um, in Austin. And so uh, you can imagine how challenging that is for us, but we were able to go over there for um, for thanksgiving they 're going to be coming for christmas, so we 're looking forward to some great time together um, but but it's it 's great to have a family an extended family. Uh, believe it or not, for the last two years i 've been meeting about one hundred people per week so if i don 't remember you <laughs> don 't uh, especially now that you have, have masks um, it 's uh, it, it becomes even more challenging for me, but uh, I, I meet about per week because as I go around different churches um, uh, throughout the district, I, I get to uh, engage with different people, and I'm just so grateful. Uh, I, I come and extend greetings on behalf of 72 congregations uh, that we have here in South Carolina, Nazarene congregations, and what a what a wonderful privilege it is for me. To extend uh, greetings on behalf of the other pastors and churches to you, and um, and I also want to, before I forget, I want to say thank you, a big thank you. Tonight we have a uh, a banquet that is uh, to uh, to let our pastors and spouses, uh, our some of our district leaders, to come together and, and to do some fellowship. I have seen so much of your work, uh, Pastor and and Miss Vicky have been updating me on. All of the work that you all have done, incredible work, pictures, and all. Thank you so much for everything that you have done already and the investment. I heard there were ladies working all day yesterday, many hours, and i 'm sure there was preparation before, and all the things that you all need to do um, so so grateful for you to be able to bless our pastors and spouses this evening as you host us for our banquet. And so grateful for your faithfulness, for being willing to continue to give even in times like this um, and and to continue to honor God with your tithes and offerings, with uh, uh, the contribution that you send to missions, the world evangelism, as well as to the district uh, in order for the missions to continue to move forward, I want to tell you because of your faithfulness, we continue even through this pandemic. I thought there's nothing that's going to really happen, uh, that's going to work out. Well, let me just tell you, God just surprises me. There was this couple that I kept saying, "Please, Caleb and you know and Hayden, uh, just go and look for another place to minister. You just graduated. You just got out of." Uh, of, of Southern Nazarene University, um, and you just you just need to go and find you know a youth pastor, an associate pastor. She's a great worship leader. He's a great um, young man that has a lot of talent. Could be a great associate or youth pastor. I said, go go find somewhere else because it's going to be so hard to do anything uh, down here in, in in South Carolina. I know that you helped me uh, uh, start some churches as a they did an internship in in South Texas and. And they just kept saying, "But God just keeps telling us to go to to, to go to South carolina to charleston and uh, and because of of God's faithfulness and your faithfulness in and contributing to the district missional fund, um, we are now have a church plant in Mount Pleasant uh, there in the charleston area and I, I just want to tell you that God just continues to bless us. I never thought that we would end up with new churches during all of this I mean Come on, churches are closing right people aren't going and yet we started two new churches this year and uh, actually three new churches so God continues to do great things throughout the district and and in the middle of, of a, a very chaotic year it's been a challenging year the reality is that uh, yesterday um, my family and I went to go and get our Christmas tree and you know I, I, well you probably don't understand but my family is used to big Christmas trees. Um, you know, everything is bigger in Texas. So I had a, I had a 22-foot ceiling uh, in a, our living area in Texas. And, uh, and so we could go up to, you know, one year my wife said, oh, look, get this Christmas tree. It was a 24-foot Christmas tree. I kept saying, I, it doesn't fit. You know, so you know what what we ended up doing. We had to cut the top off, and we ended up with two christmas trees, right a twenty footer and a twenty two and a four foot Christmas tree. well, um once again, we went and 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 my family looks at these Christmas trees and say they're just too small and so literally, we start asking, nobody was happy where we went and, and you know we just went down the street over here, not too far and um and uh And and finally, my wife says, do you know someplace else where we can go? And he goes, well, my cousin down the road over there has some big Christmas trees. And I was like, okay, well, let's go. So we load up and we end up over there. Well, sure enough, we ended up with a humongous Christmas tree. I had to pay the guy on the truck uh, uh, to to deliver it (laughs) uh, because it was just, it was, I mean, it was still, you know, almost 10, a little bit over 10 feet tall. But, uh, but it's, I mean, it's just humongous. It's just big. It's half of my living room. Uh, <laughs> I don't understand, you know. Um, but he told me something that was really interesting. He said, he said, um, this was going to be my Christmas tree for my family. It was the perfect Christmas tree. As a matter of fact, I don't think we've ever seen such a perfect Christmas tree. It was really full, really big. And he said, but, but my kids don't want to come because of what's going on. He said, it's just been such a, such a bad year. And you could sense in his voice and his eyes as I was talking to him, the only thing that cheered him up is when I was paying him. That was the only thing that cheered him up, because you can imagine how expensive this Christmas tree was. And, uh, but, but through, through, while he was sharing the story of his family not able to come, he said, you know, this whole COVID thing has really put a damper on things. It's just been really a bad year. He said, so I I was going to use this Christmas tree. I always pick the best Christmas tree for myself um, as the owner of this, you know, of this nursery. But. But this year, I just said, I'm just going to put it for sale. And that's why we still have it here. And you just happen to walk in. And, uh, you know, people are taking pictures around this Christmas tree because it's so nice. And you can see where people would just walk in and, and they would do that. And, uh, and, of course, that's the one that my family wants, right? I mean, it's... it's uh, uh, but has, I don't know if it's been the same thing for you. I don't know if it's been challenging. I don't know if, if this year has been one of those years where we say... Boy, 2020, we just we just wish it was over. Um, well, today I want for you to hear God's word because I believe it's the perfect word for us as we're experiencing this 2020 year that is really just caused so much chaos and so much confusion. I invite you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, verse 11. We're going to look at uh, this verse. Unless you, unless you really don't know the Christmas story, and you want me to read the whole uh, first chapter and second chapter so you capture what's going on. Um, but I really just want to... I'm only going to preach out of one verse, out of, out of these, uh, these, uh, this sentence right here, or this phrase. Verse 11, that's the only focus... Um, just to bring you up to date, um, Joseph and Mary have, moved, have gone from, from uh, Nazareth to Bethlehem, have come down, going south, just a little past uh, 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 Jerusalem. And now they're, they're in Bethlehem, and, uh, and, and baby Jesus has been born. And the angels come out and start uh, proclaiming this new birth. And in that whole declaration, right in the middle of that declaration, the angel speaking to the shepherds, here is what they say in verse 11. It says, Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Well, I thought about this. I thought about, Why didn't they use this, why didn't they use this expression, the town of David? I mean, I I don't know, I I read scripture and I start thinking about, you know, kind of different stuff and, and looking at things from different angles and start trying to figure out, well, you know, I mean, they could have said, today in Bethlehem in the manger, down on, you know, Highway 1, Augusta Freeway, Way out there, the other way, going out towards, you know, Batesburg, not this way. Um, There, out there where the sheep herders are, out there, not in the city, is the newborn baby, the Savior, right? They could have given the address, they could have given all the directions, they could have gone and and explained in Bethlehem, but no, they used this particular phrase. And I started thinking about this. Have you ever, do you ever think about stuff like that? Right? Well, you know, I guess that's why um, that's why they pay me so I could do the research for you. Well, <laughs> I started saying, okay, the town of David. If you go to verse 1, you, you recognize, chapter 2, you recognize that it was Caesar Augustus who issued a decree that a census should be taken in the entire Roman world. And therefore, Joseph, being in the line of King David, had to go to Bethlehem, the town of David to go and register for this census. Now, unlike like today's census, by the way, um, you know that 2020, there was a census that happened <laughs> in the middle of all this chaos. There was a census that occurred here in the United States. Um, but unlike today's census, where the government reaches us by mail, email, phone, um, there wasn't this much this uh, this, this year, but... Do you remember the times when people would show up when you didn't fill out your your uh, <laughs> your paperwork and mailed it in? Uh, they would actually show up to your door. Um, I heard that, I, I actually had a couple of people going to different houses and knocking on doors to fill out their census. So uh, that's, that's the way it happens for us. But, but back then, they had to go back to their ancestral homes. And... Um, for them, for Joseph and Mary, Nazareth was about 90 miles from Bethlehem. And, and so they had to travel there. Um, now, today the census is done for so many reasons. And back then, uh, it was done for very similar reasons. If you remember, Caesar Augustus was the Roman emperor who issued the decree that there's supposed to be a census of all of his, uh, of his empire, And uh, the census was done back then, kind of similar for us today, for tax purposes, for population reasons, and for political favors. That's what the census was done back then for. And uh, uh, Caesar Augustus, he was the emperor. He had a lot of wealth. He had a lot of power. Uh, The Roman Empire covered uh, all of Europe. Uh, parts of Western Asia, the Middle East, and India. It covered half of the northern continent of Africa. Can you imagine? All of this was the Roman Empire, and Caesar Augustus wanted everybody in that whole area counted. And the reason why he wanted to do this was because he wanted to continue to raise funds for his army, and wanted to continue to raise money to pay those that were occupying and controlling all of these countries. Now, um, one of the things that, that that Caesar Augustus was able to do and, and, and that was brilliant at doing, that instead of him going and beating up on a country and saying, I'm going to conquer you and I'm going to destroy you and I'm going to steal from you and pillage and, and make the, the land a waste, What he discovered was that it was best for him to let the people continue to live there and work and produce uh, and farm and make products and then he would be able to go and tax them and therefore he said, I have a continuous revenue stream to continue to build up my army, my wealth, my power and I will continue to tax the people so that I can continue to hire more soldiers, and I can continue to expand and build my empire. That's why he was able to do such a great empire even back then. The first ones that was able to do that and to establish a certain level of peace, a a Pax Romana is what it's called. And, and And so it was very important for him to know how many people were there, and how many businesses were there, and what they were doing, because that's how he would go and tax them. Okay, So very important. Very important for him to tax. And once again, this is related to why Mary and Joseph ended up in Bethlehem. Um, so another interesting point is that he was taking a lot of the money from different wealthy countries, um, and by the way, the Jews, where they were at, strategically in the middle of the Mediterranean, were a very wealthy country because people coming from the Far East would have to travel to their ports in order to go to Europe, Spain, Spain, even Northern Africa, Italy, Greece, where Rome was at so so he really wanted to tax the Jewish people because they were making a lot of money now that's where you know that whole idea that Jews always make a lot of money, right and so, <laughs> uh, I believe it's just God bless us right that's the way it works so, so but he was taking wealth from them so so he was promoting a capitalistic ideology out there in the world, while in his home country, in Rome, in Italy, he was promoting a socialistic ideology. I don't want to get too political on this, but I want you to understand what's happening here, okay? So he was taking the wealth from one group, taxing them a lot, and then giving it to his people, and not taxing them a whole lot, but giving them a whole lot of benefits, so I say that because, because there, was a, a, a re- there was a political component as well, and, and I'll get more into that detail in just a second. So that, that's the first reason why he wanted the census. The second reason that he wanted the census was population control. As it's very common, wherever there are centers of, of market and industry and, and trade, um, just like today, Cities tend to grow, and they grow much larger, and so people that are born in rural areas go to cities in order to find jobs. It happened back then also, and so the way that he established this whole idea of being able to to go back to your birthplace or your ancestry place as Joseph had to go back, Bethlehem, because he was from the line of David, was in order to reestablish and reconfigure populations so that he would strategically be able to place enough soldiers, you know. Soldiers were hard to come, especially after they went to battle and half of them died. So he would have to reorganize the populations and disperse them so that in the large cities, he wouldn't have to concentrate so many soldiers, and therefore he would be able to deploy soldiers to new front lines and start conquering new territories. Very strategic. I'm telling you, this guy was pretty smart. I mean, we never pay attention to what really is happening politically back then, but this is what's going on. So, so he was doing some population control. In, in addition to this, he um, uh, many of the people that, uh, that, that would have to go back to their hometown or their town of ancestry to register for the census could only afford a one-way donkey ticket to that town, okay? They didn't have enough money to go both ways. And therefore, many of them would have to end up staying there. As a matter of fact, it is believed that, that, that that's what happened to Joseph and Mary for a while, they ended up staying there in Bethlehem for, for a couple of years. And so, so once again, it's all of this population shift for a grander political reason that's happening. And so he, um, he, he, he sends that. Now, there's another component here that's very important. He also discovered that by shifting people from, town, from cities to small rural towns the people that were in the cities, especially in port cities, tended to have diseases. And therefore, they would take those to the rural areas and infect them. And because the people in the rural areas were not necessarily, did not have a higher immune system, many of them would then die. And so he figured out that all of these things could happen by making people move around and go into different places and therefore would be able to keep population control and be able to keep his empire continuing to grow. Very interesting things. And I, I actually went and started... I started doing a little bit of research on, on this census thing, and I discovered that in 2 Samuel chapter 24, you don't, I don't want to read it, but if you remember the story, King David decides to take a census according to how, how other kings would do it as well of those times, and the Lord didn't say, that's not the way I do census, and guess what happened? It says that a plague came and thousands were killed because of this system of taking census that they had. As a matter of fact, God instructed Moses to take a census. In Exodus chapter 30, verse 12, he says that he, take, he told him to take a census. I'm going to read this important. It says, when you take a census of the Israelites to count them, each one must pay the Lord a ransom for his life at the time he has counted. Then no plague will come on them when you number them. Do you see how got, how God in his wisdom had already figured out that if these people go all over the place, where all we're doing is spreading disease, right? And travel. That's what's going to happen. And so and so God was already in his wisdom back then on a census. Now, the really important thing here is make sure you pay your tithes and offerings. Did you notice that? That was really important. And then, uh, thats I mean, that's in the Bible. I just read it. i am You know, it just happens to fit very well. Uh, and so... <laughs> And so it says here that that no plague would come to them. God has so much wisdom even when he was doing the counting. So I talked about political. If you remember, there was um, there were tax collectors that were associated with, with being the worst of sinners. Do you remember that? It's like Jesus hangs out with you know sinners and prostitutes and tax collectors. You remember, it's like one of the worst things you could ever do. Why? Because essentially, tax collectors were also the ones that would be the census takers. They knew exactly who had money, so they were hired by the Roman government to go and take a census and figure out, oh, let me see, oh, wait a moment, you got a great business you know, your cauliflower market is doing really well. And down there in South Carolina, they really like greens. And so, you know, I'm, I'm just going to have to start taxing you a little bit higher on that. And so, and so that's what started happening. And, and, and I'll tell you that there was always, always protection for the tax collectors, census takers, and favors given to them. There was abuse of power that started happening. Do you remember Zacchaeus? The whole story? You know, he had to go and say, I know I've cheated these people a whole lot. And after I've spent a lot of stuff, I still have money to pay everybody three times back what I owe them. That's pretty good. He was doing, he was doing really good business. Um, why? Why? Because there were these political favors, there was this fraud, and there was this abuse of power that was happening, and you thought elections in the United States was the only thing that caused those things. No, it was taking a census as well. So I, 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 this is, I want you to understand, these are all things that are happening when Jesus is being born. These are the things that are going on when Jesus is being born. Now, why do I say all this stuff? I think some of you can start relating to some of the things that were happening back then that seem to be happening today. See, what was supposed to happen for Joseph and Mary was that they were supposed to go back to their ancestral home. And there was supposed to be an old aunt, uncle, cousin that lived there. That would be willing to take them into their house. Because the reality is that if you really think about it, do you think that back then there were Hilton's and Marriott's? No. The reality is that when you really look at the at the actual word of what this particular word means uh, when we talk about the inn, there was no place in the inn. For Jesus and that's why he was had to be born in a stable out in the manger. The reality is that it had nothing to do with a hotel inn as we understand it. It had to do with a room in a home. So what was happening is that people figured out... ...hey wait a moment, there's a census coming. I am from the poorest, smallest tribe and from the poorest family... I am, you know, I'm from, I'm from uh, the, the outcast of society. I don't want to do that. It's, a census is coming. I'm going to collect all my money, and I am going to migrate into another country or into another place, and I'm going to look for the king ancestry, descendant, and I'm going to go and knock on the door, and I'm going to say, hey, I am your lost cousin, and I am now coming because Caesar Augustus has said that we have to come to our ancestry home and and be counted for the census. So will you let me stay in your house? That's what was really happening. That's what was supposed to be happening. But uh, you can imagine how that would turn out to be fraudulent, right? I mean... I can just imagine in in, in my household, okay. So I, I have two brothers and a sister, and um, and I can just think about if they were coming over and knocking at the door. Um, I think that it would go something like this: somebody would knock, and, and or I would knock, and and I'd say, "Hey, I'm related to you," and uh, and they would look at me and like, "Yeah, I don't know you, man. I, you're, not, you're not coming into my house." Uh, and I say, hey, 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 you know that crazy, fun, and loving uncle that eats all the time, talks really loud, falls asleep on the couch. Uh, you know, you know that uncle, right? Everybody, right? right? Aussie, yes, Aussie, yes. That's it, Aussie. Um, no, I don't know that guy. Um, uh, you know, you don't know that, but you know my, you know my aunt, my aunt. You know the bossy one. The one that that wants to, that is so in control of everything. You know, she's like super in control. I mean, she is a golden heart, but super in control. You know, right? You know, Eunice. Oh, yeah, 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 Eunice. No, I don't know that one either. Ah, you know. You know, that crazy uncle, the younger crazy uncle, you know, the one that's really weird and lives in that weird place, you know, as a matter of fact, they call it Austin is weird. You know, that place, you know, and he's the shepherd, by the way. Oh, that guy. Yeah, I don't know him. Um, Well, do you know that I have a whole lot of money and I'm rich? Oh, I just remembered. I know all of those people. Come on in. Let's stay here. And so people would come in and do that, and I'm sure that they would go to anybody that they thought that was politically influential that came in the line of royalty of power and authority, and they would come in and buy their way into the houses. And therefore, when poor Joseph and Mary are coming on their, you know, two-speed donkey, right, they can't get there on their camels, they can't get there on their horses, can't get there on their wagons, all of a sudden they get there and, and, and they say, hey, there's no room. There's no room. So you see, all of these things were happening it was a place where there was a lot of chaos it was a place where there was a lot of things that that were not making sense the government had so many influence on so many aspects of life and caused so much division and discord it was a major contributor to fraud influencing the economy and impacting people in so many ways When the shepherds heard the town of David, they weren't thinking of the beautiful nativity, peaceful scene that we display or that my wife displays 15 times around my house because that's how many she has. It wasn't that. (laughs) When they heard the town of David... They were thinking of all of the bad, chaotic things that were happening in society at that particular moment. They were thinking that the town of David referenced the Caesar Augustus declaration of a census that they knew was going to bring people up from the north to try to invade them and maybe even steal the sheep. That's why they were out there taking care of their sheep and I'm not talking about the north and south here in the United States. I'm really talking about the north like Nazareth and Jerusalem, which was north. They were, they were thinking of, of a bunch of people coming down and influencing and, and changing the ways that they were living. They, when they heard the town of David, they were thinking of the disarray in the economy. They were thinking of, of the disease and the illness that was possibly going to come as well. When they heard the town of David, they knew that families were going to be divided, upset, and angry in households. They knew that people were coming impersonating. Identity theft was happening. When they heard the town of David, they knew that people were going to end up on the streets, homeless and hungry, possibly even a pregnant woman. When they heard the town of David declared by the angels, they knew that people were going to start looking at their own interests and seeking their own desires and trying to take advantage Of what was happening in society. When they heard the town of David. They knew. That it was a mess. I don't know. If you feel the same way. About our country. About our world. About our society. So sad that I have to. Try to settle down situations about wearing or not wearing masks. It's so sad to to have to have long discussions about people that are upset over something that has been posted on Facebook, political or non-political. It's so sad that there's people that, that are calling me and saying we are suffering, Pastor, because Our attendance is down, our giving is down, and we can't pay the insurance for the church. And the pastor has already taken a 50% cut in his salary. Are you starting to see the mess and the chaos and the whole thing that is happening that is so similar to what was happening back then during Jesus' time? Are you starting to focus and understand that, that this town of David declaration is not what, what we always think about a beautiful manger scene, but they were looking at the chaotic and difficult and challenging and illness and disease and plagues and economy and politics and fraud and identity theft and all kinds of situations that were going on back then in a different way, but, but they were going on. Are you starting to see how saddened and disappointed and hurt and why they were so fearful? Are you starting to understand the position that these shepherds find themselves in? But in the middle of the mess, the angel's message was not just in the town of David, but in that message, in that town of David, a Savior is born. Someone that knows our faults and failures and declares you are more than the sum of your past faults, failures, and sins. Whether you're part of creating the mess or a victim of your circumstances, of being born or placed in the mess that you're in, that we're in, Jesus can save you from that mess. See something really interesting that I started looking up. I'm telling you, I always look up at stuff from a different perspective. This. I didn't even know that it was built back then. Tradition says that it was built with three types of wood. See, a manger was built with three types of woods. Did you know that? I don't know. Some of them are still arguing about whether it was cedar, pine, and cypress. The wood's density is very important. Strong wood to hold up bells of hay. The slats that go across have to be able to, to be able to hold and, and allow the the slobber <laughs> of the animals to fall out. The handles of that go on on the sides so that the that those that are serving can, can take care of them. But you know what was so interesting? That little manger where Jesus was placed. Tradition says that the cross was also done with three types of woods. A pole that holds up had to be a pole that was strong and allow the blood to flow so that it wouldn't soak into it. The crossbar had to be of a certain type of wood that would not loosen the nails that were going to be nailed into it. The placeholders for the feet had to be of another type of wood in order to be removed quickly, splinter off, so that the bodies could be taken down. A savior. Jesus knew as a babe that when he was being placed on a manger made of a tree of wood, that one day he would be placed on another tree made of the same wood. He's a savior for all of us. He's a Savior that comes for all. But it wasn't just a Savior. Did you notice that it was in that town of David a Savior has been born? But he is also what? The Messiah. You know what a Messiah is? A Messiah is the deliverer. He's the one that guides you out of the mess. Do you believe that we have a Messiah that is born that can guide us out of the mess that we find ourselves in? Whether politically, whether socially, whether economically, whether religiously, any kind of mess, we have a Redeemer that can guide us, a Messiah that can take us, that can transform us, that can take those ashes and turn them into beauty. Do you understand that that is what He does? That that is what He's doing. That in the middle of this mess, in the middle of our town of David, in the middle of this messed up United States, messed up world, in this dark and sinful world, in this disease-ridden world, in this town of David, we have a Savior, and we also have a Messiah. We have one that has come to take us beyond whether it's to restore your finances, your relationships, even those that you upset during posting of political announcements on Facebook, he can restore them. You can get your friends back. (laughs) Jesus says that if your heart is heavy and your spirit is low, know that he can bring transformation and restoration. And then the last thing that the angels proclaimed. In the middle of our mass, not only is there a savior, there's a Messiah, but there is a master. They called him Lord. Did you notice that? In that verse, all three things were mentioned. Lord, a master, someone who has power, who has authority, and who has influence. You see, we can fall for the traps of the world The traps that call us to political influence or we can go to godly influence. The traps that call us to population control and all the chaos that comes along with that or that comes to the Redeemer and following the Messiah. Or we can be burdened by the taxes of sin or we can be freed by our Savior. Today, I want you to understand that this little one verse has so much for us to be able to glean from and to hope and to discover that He is the Savior, Messiah. He is the Master. Will the worship team come? And I know I've taken quite a bit of time, but I want you to know that today, if you find yourself in your town of David, in a mess that was created by your own choices or by circumstances, in a mess that was created by governments or political influences or financial shortcomings or whatever other thing that might be out there, Ideologies and philosophies. people that think that a race is better than another. people that think that things are better somewhere else, or political ideologies. I want to tell you that that's all creating a mess. And that God has sent His Son, Jesus Christ. And the hope that we have today, the hope is only in Him. That in your mess in a mess of broken relationships, in a mess of financial difficulties, in a mess of political strife, in a mess where there's division and so much chaos, in a mess that is happening even in churches, I want to tell you that the message today that God has sent is I have brought a Savior. I have brought a Messiah. I have brought a Lord for you. If you will surrender to Him that mess. If you will surrender to Him that struggle. If you will surrender all of those things that caused you pain and hurt. If you will surrender all of the things that you might have said trying to defend yourself. If you will surrender all of the things that you were trying to push because you really believe. That's the way it should be for our country or for our household or for however it is. But you end up alienating others through that process. I want to tell you that we have a Savior. We have a Messiah. We have a Lord. Will you accept His forgiveness? Will you allow Him to guide you as the Messiah will take you to a better place? And will you allow for Him to influence you every single day as a Lord today? are in your seats. Will you bow your heads, close your eyes, and will you pray and ask the Lord, what is my town of David? What is my mess? Is it my marriage? Is it my relationships? Is it, is it my finances? Is it my situation at work? Is it, is it just unforgiveness? Is it hidden sin? What is my mess? What is the mess that I'm in? Is not just my political ideologies and my, my just desire to influence others? What is my mess? Let's leave that all to Jesus today for that's why He came. Heavenly Father, I just pray today that You will minister to each one of us and to allow us to understand that we don't have to dwell in the mess of a town of David, but that we can move forward and discover Your hope your peace, your joy, and your love this Advent season, we can discover the beauty of who you are and the wonder of Jesus, the Savior, the Messiah, and our Lord. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Thanks for joining us at Central Church today. If you'd like to get involved, please visit us at centralnazarene.org.